0: It is a cool, windy afternoon here on the west coast of Florida. My name is Joel Tillis. This is the Soul Tracks. As always, we trust that this broadcast finds you whenever it does find you. In good health, good spirits, and all that good and narrow way. I hope that you have... uh, finished all your Christmas shopping, all your Christmas hustling and bustling and are able to enjoy this weekend, this Christmas Eve. We're looking forward to enjoying a little bit of time ourselves. but uh, we thought we maybe come back with one more broadcast, and really I didn't even intend to do this one, but I made the bad mistake of actually uh, watching the mainstream news. Never, ever, ever is that a good thing. But, alas, I did, and within five seconds, I remembered why I no longer watch it. It's because it's like watching a very, very, very bad, poorly written um, SNL skit. I mean, (laughs) it is so horrible and so bad and so ridiculous what we see taking place in our government and on TV... I mean, to get the real news, you have to go to all these different kinds of international websites, news sources, to actually find the news. What we see is a parody of a play, of a a very nauseating play, and yet it is sad because it is the spectacle of a dying society. I was looking at the news, and then I happened to scan some reports, and I came across an article. Uh, that was forwarded uh, or uh, highlighted by a fellow that i follow sometimes uh, matt walsh and he actually picked this article up from the daily wire colorado christian baker in court again this time it's not over a homosexual cake it's over a gender transition cake and i couldn't help but notice the juxtaposition that as our society from the inside out rots and crumbles On the news, our government sits there and plays their proverbial fiddle as we collapse into the morass of our own decadent decay. I found this article very, very interesting as I was also reading another article uh, written years ago by a man by the name of R.J. Rushdooney, a man I do not agree with in everything at all. But I think you'll understand his article after I read this Article here from the Daily Wire, written by Hank Berrien. On Tuesday, the attorneys for Jack Phillips, the Colorado baker who would not make a wedding cake for a gay couple because of his devout Christian religious beliefs, lamblasted the state of Colorado for continuing to target him for his beliefs. The remarks in federal court by lawyers from the Alliance Defending Freedom, the organization that represented Phillips, the owner of the Masterpiece Cake Shop, were triggered by another case filed against Phillips, this time from a transgender woman who wanted him to create a cake celebrating his transgender transition. After the hearing, Jim Campbell, an attorney for the Alliance Def- uh, Defending Freedom, stated, quote, at this point, he's just a guy who is trying to get back to life. The problem is the state of Colorado won't let him. Before the hearing, Campbell stated, "...the same agency that the Supreme Court rebuked as hostile to Jack Phillips remains committed to treating him unequally and forcing him to express messages that violate his religious beliefs." Jack serves all customers, and he is even happy to serve the attorney who lodged the complaint against him. But Jack doesn't create custom cakes that express messages or celebrate events in conflict with his deeply held beliefs. Now, before I continue reading, I have to wonder if they walked in and said, hey, we want a cake that says, um, let's kill all Muslims, or kill a Kami for mommy, or nuke them till they glow. I wonder if they would still be going to court. It's funny how this is a one-way street in many of these instances, but I digress. Let me stay on task. One current commissioner has publicly referred to Jack as, quote, a hater on Twitter, one of the several indications of the commission's ongoing bias against Jack and his beliefs. We're asking the federal court to immediately stop Colorado's efforts to punish Jack in order to shield him from a biased agency and ensure that he is not forced to express messages that violate his faith. ABC 7 News, a local news agency there, noted, quote, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, and I want you to remember that term. The Colorado Civil Rights. It's very important that you understand that. The Colorado Civil Rights Commission said Phillips discriminated against the Denver attorney, Autumn Scardinia, because she's transgender. Phillips' shop refused to make a cake last year that was... Blue on the outside and pink on the inside after Scardina revealed she wanted to celebrate her transition from male to female. And so, of course, here we go. Phillips was targeted by the state of Colorado, barred from designing custom wedding cakes, which, as the ADF noted, represented about 40% of his business. It is a mess. It's an absolute mess. And now here he is again, all over again, having to deal with it. Despite the fact, one reporter says, or report says, despite the fact that the Supreme Court ruled for Phillips in the original case, the state of Colorado targeted him again, this time over gender transition. That prompted Phillips to file a lawsuit against the state, saying it had violated his 14th Amendment right to practice his faith and his right to equal protection under the 14th Amendment. It is important to understand, ladies and gentlemen, as we near Christmas, and it's very easy for us to turn our attention to the holidays and really to forget the battle and the arena in which you and I are living in on a day-to-day basis. We are living in very strange times in the United States of America. It's an interesting thing when you talk about rights and liberty. Are we talking about the same thing? Is there going to come a time when we lose full liberty? full rights that man is not having a christmas like you and i are having a christmas that man is in danger of losing his business for a second time for no other reason than not wanting to bake a cake and how is the state of colorado approaching it by legal means by civil rights laws now, I want you to hold that story in, in stasis there in your mind. And I want to read an article written in 1982 by the aforementioned R.J. Rushdooney. The article was written June 1982 entitled Religious Liberty Versus Religious Toleration. One of the areas of profound ignorance today is religious liberty and the meaning thereof. The common pattern throughout history, including in the Roman Empire, has been religious toleration, a very different thing. In religious toleration, the state is paramount, and in every sphere, its powers are totalitarian. The state is the sovereign or lord, the supreme religious entity and power. The state decrees what and who can exist and it establishes the terms of existence. The state reserves the power to license and tolerate one or more religions upon its own conditions and subjects to state control, regulation, and supervision. The Roman Empire believed in religious toleration, absolutely. It regarded religion as good for public morale and morals, and it therefore had a system of licensure and regulation. New religions were ordered simply to appear before the magistrate affirm the lordship or sovereignty of Caesar, and walk away with a license to post in their meeting place. The early church refused licensure because it meant the lordship of Caesar over Christ and his church. The early church refused toleration because it denied the right of the state to say whether or not Christ's church could exist or to set the conditions of its existence. The early church rejected religious toleration, yea, it demanded and fought and died for religious liberty. Over the centuries, both Catholics and then Protestants often fought for religious liberty. Over the centuries also, and let me interject here for just a moment. I'm reading Rush Dooney's article here, but I have to say he's very, very wrong for including catholicism there if there has been one purveyor if there has been one propagator of the domination and totalitarian loss of rights it has been catholicism down through the centuries that much we know is true there may have been occasional accidental pockets where they stumbled on to liberty and truth but inherent in the catholic catholic system is totalitarianism but i digress over the centuries russ jr writes also the church is too often capitulated to religious toleration with very evil results. Toleration was productive of fearful evils. First, one church was tolerated and established by the state, not by Christ, as the privileged or state-tolerated institution. This privilege called for concession to the state, and that was one of the first problems that they had, Rush Dooney writes. And these took a variety of forms. It couldn't mean that the state appointed or controlled the bishops. It meant that only the state could give permission for a meeting of the church's national convocation or general assembly. In a variety of ways, establishment meant an establishment under the state's control. At its best, the church was turned into a privileged house slave. At its worst, the church was simply a part of the bureaucracy and the working pastors were rare and alone. Sooner or later, an establishment meant subservience and bondage to the state. Second, the second problem Rush speaks of is the tolerated church became a parasite because it was dependent too often on state aid to collect its tithes and dues. It lived not because of the faith of the people, but because of the state's subsidy. As a result, the state church served the state, not the Lord, nor the Lord's people. When the states turned humanistic and, losing interest in their captive churches, began to cut their privileges and subsidies, it appeared that revivals broke out in many established churches as the result. How convenient. Third, the tolerated or established church became a persecuting church. It could not compete with its now illegal rivals in faith, and so it used the state to persecute its competitors. Both Catholic and Protestant establishments built up an ugly record in this respect. Again, I want to insert, you do not see that with Baptist doctrine. You do not see that with trail of blood doctrinal beliefs held down through the centuries. Rushduny goes on to write, Meanwhile, their humanist foes could criticize their intolerance and speak of this inhumanity as a necessary aspect of Christianity. So that, in essence, what Rush Juni is saying is once the church became persecuting, they were damned if they do and damned if they didn't. If they didn't persecute, they would lose to the newer, fresher insights. If they did, they were persecuted and uh, castigated truthfully for their inconsistency by the humanist side. Another issue that Rush Juni brings up is religious toleration leads to, in fact, intolerance. Toleration is licensure. It is a state subsidy, and those possessing it want a monopoly. Hence, intoleration of competitors results, and the church becomes blind to all issues save monopoly. Let that line sink into you. In the 17th century, England, for example, the blindness of the Church of England under Archbishop Laud, as he fought the Puritans, was staggering. However, when Cromwell came to power, the Presbyterians became a one issue party, the issue being the control and possession of the Church of England. Had they triumphed, the evils of Laud would have been reproduced. Cromwell balked them. Later, the Presbyterians undermined the Commonwealth and helped bring the depraved Charles II, who quickly rejected them or ejected them from the Church of England. There was no winning. In colonial America, uneasy semi establishment did exist technically the church of england was the established church for all the crown realms including catholic ireland ireland was never more catholic actually than after england imposed an alien church on the land meanwhile in the colonies men begin to oppose religious toleration in favor of religious liberty here rush Juni writes the baptists were most important especially isaac bacchus now, if I, let me pause here and say that if I've bored you up until now, please hear what I'm about to say. Because I believe the next few paragraphs that I'm reading may possibly be prophetic in nature for some of the things that you and I are going to be facing in the near future. Bacchus declared, quote, We view it to be our incumbent duty, to render unto Caesar the things that are his, but also that it is of as much importance not to render unto him anything that belongs only to God, who is to be obeyed rather than any man. And it is evident that God always claimed it as his sole prerogative to determine by his own laws what his worship shall be, who shall minister in it, and how they shall be supported. So it is evident that this prerogative has been and still is encroached upon in our land. Now the defenders of establishment or totalitarian became, Bacchus said, Caesar's friend, citing the Pharisees who said to Rome's magistrates about Jesus, if thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. We cannot make the state the definer of man's duty to God as the Establishment Toleration position does. This position, Bacchus held, takes matters of faith from the conscience of man to the councils of state, and thus determines true faith. Mackus saw, along with many others, that the new country would have no unity if Establishment and Toleration, and that's the key, Toleration became lawful in the Federal Union. Mackus quoted Cotton Mather who said, violences may bring the erroneous to be hypocrites, but they will never bring them to be believers. The heart of Bacchus' position, Rush Jooney writes, was this. Religion, meaning biblical religion, was prior to all states and kingdoms in the world and therefore could not in its nature be subject to hum- human laws should those human laws contradict the laws of God. Toleration was not the issue. Liberty was. The First Amendment to the U.S Constitution replaces toleration and establishment for religious liberty. That was the result of Bacchus and Baptists and many other church men of his day. It represented a great and key victory in church history, and I would submit to you personally, a singular event in human history. Now, however religious liberty is dead, and however it got to be that way, it is a fact that in America, religious liberty does not exist. It only exists if you confine it to the area, Rush Juna writes, between your ears. Instead of religious liberty, we have religious toleration. And ladies and gentlemen, those two are not synonymous. Now, religious toleration is the reality of the situation, equally so in Red China and Russia. In both cases, Rush Uni wrote in 1982, or I mind you, the toleration is very, very limited. In the United States, the toleration is still extensive, and most churchmen fail to recognize that the states and the federal government are insisting that only toleration, not liberty, exists. The limits of that toleration are being narrowed steadily. Thus, Senator Ernest F. Hollings of South Carolina has given expression to the position of the regulators and tolerationists, writing on February 19, 1982, and I quote now this senator Tax exemption is a privilege, not a right. It is only proper, it is not only proper, but constitutional that the government condition that privilege on the constitutional requirement of non-discrimination. Religious freedom is a priceless heritage that must be jealously guarded. But when religious belief is contrary to the law of the land, then it is the law, not religion, the senator writes, that must be sustained. The 1964 Civil Rights Act. Remember, I asked you to remember the civil rights that Colorado was claiming as a basis. The 1964 Civil Rights Act provided there be no discrimination in the institutions receiving federal financial assistance. And the courts have interpreted this to mean that no public monies be appropriated directly or indirectly through tax exemption To those institutions that discriminate. This was written in 1982. Senator Hollings has, with many, many other members of Congress, replaced religious liberty with state toleration. Tax exemption originally meant no jurisdiction by the state over the church because the power to tax is the power to control and destroy. Now these humanistic statists tell us it is a subsidy. Tax exemption is called federal financial assistance, and the court holds that controls must follow assistance from the civil treasury. This means a mandate to control churches in every facet of their existence, including Christian schools, colleges, seminaries, employees, in the name of controlling federal grants. Hollings and others, including many judges, holds that this means that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 must take priority over the First Amendment. The civil rights law forbids discrimination in terms of race. Now, let me digress here for a moment and say, in 1965, if a black man walked into a privately owned cake company and said, I want a cake that says... um, I'm proud of being black, and that man was a racist and didn't want to make that cake, then he, he had to. And everybody was happy about it. Why not have more control of the state? But there were unintended consequences and unintended perversions of that very law. Rush Juney writes, The civil rights law forbids discrimination in terms of race. Kudos. But also a number of other things, including creed. The evidence is accumulating that federal authorities believe that they have now the legal right to require churches to ordain women and homosexuals. On January 26, 1982, to a group of us meeting with Edwin Meese and eight of the ten Justice Department lawyers in the White House, Meese said flatly that this was within the legitimate power of the federal government. This means that the church, in terms of the same law, can be forbidden to discriminate with respect to creed. This would mean equal time for all creeds, including humanism and atheism in every church. Now the position of Hollings, Reagan at the time, Carter before him, the Justice Department, the Internal Revenue Service, the Labor Department, the Treasury Department, and several states at this time that Rushdie was writing is that the only, quote, freedom that a church can have is that activity which the state chooses to tolerate. Toleration on any and all activities is subject to regulation, control, and oversight. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is, by definition, totalitarianism. The fact is that religious liberty is dead and buried. Rush Juni submits that, It needs to be resurrected. He states in a closing, we may be able to live under religious toleration, but it will beget all the ancient evils of compromise, hypocrisy, and a purely or largely public religion. It will replace conscience with a state license and freedom with a state-endowed cell of narrow limits. This is the best that toleration may afford us in the days ahead. When I read that about the man out in Colorado, I happened to be reading this same particular article here with Rush Dooney. A couple faults came to my mind. One, is this what we're going to be facing in the near future? Is what is happening to this maker, going to happen to churches. But I think the more frightening, truly frightening question that comes to my mind is why hasn't it happened already? This article that was written by Rush Juni was written in 1982. Do you think that our society has become more or less Christian? you think our leaders have become more or less moral do you really think that we have turned or stemmed even a little bit the tide of corruption and perverseness and wickedness of our nation if our nation has moved at breakneck speed down the road of perdition the question is if this was being written in 1982 Why haven't we experienced more of this? Could it be that it's not necessary? I think it is possible that the most frightening, frightening solution to the problem is that it's actually not necessary for the state to take over the churches because the churches Are irrelevant to the state and if the churches are irrelevant to the state that by definition then means that Christians are irrelevant to the culture and that ladies and gentlemen lands us squarely in second Timothy chapter number three having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof very interesting days that we live in christmas right around the corner new years right around the corner what will 2019 hold for us i don't know persecution maybe um leaving us alone are we irrelevant Maybe that's the greater fear. What would be the greatest fear? Being persecuted by the state? Or having the state look at the church in the United States of America and go, you know what? We don't even need to kill you. You've killed yourself. Hmm. Deep thoughts for a not so deep time.